Marvellous. Morning. Happy New Year. I hope you had a good Christmas. I hope you're glad to be in 2018 as well. Um, here we go. Uh, our vision as a church for some years, the headline vision has been uh, growing communities that bring heaven to earth. Growing communities that bring heaven to earth. And this year, as we keep on working out what that means, our focus, our theme for this school year has been praying for growth. You will have seen a picture like that if you were here at all last term. Pretty much every week we've been talking about praying for growth and praying for growth. Uh, we've been praying as we've done that for... Oh, I went to click on. Could you help me, Jeremy, please, to the next slide? Okay. We prayed in particular for growth of several different kinds. Growth in maturity, that is for us to become more resilient and more fruitful. Growth in the extent that we have as a church, which speaks of other nations, uh, people from different ethnicities, different parts of the city, different workplaces, those sorts of things. And of course, growth in numbers, which is entirely on God's heart. And this morning, uh, this message is going to be very simply a call to prayer. Now, today, we might associate that phrase, a call to prayer, uh, not so much with our habits as a church, but perhaps rather with the Islamic call to prayer. That's probably where that phrase gets used most often today. The Islamic call to prayer that speaks of Allah and Muhammad and says, hasten to prayer, hasten to success. Devout Muslims pray five times a day. Uh, many historians believe that the Muslim practice of praying five times a day was actually borrowed from Christian monks who prayed seven times a day and dumbed down a bit. And those monks who were determined to pray seven times a day uh, didn't come together with the cry of somebody uh, shouting out, as is Muslim practice. They invented a technology, and that was bells. Can we play the video, please? I didn't give you very much notice there at all, Jeremy. Here we go. This is a church building not so very far from here, with its bells ringing, somebody approaching it. We probably hear the sound of bells, and we think, more, we think it's probably sort of lovely and English, or a bit historic, or maybe somebody's getting married, or there's something to celebrate. But the ringing of bells was intended as a way of calling people from whatever else they were doing, whether it was in from the fields, or being busy with housework, or with their children, or whatever it may be, to come together as God's people to pray. So I've got a bell this morning, and um, it rings quite well. It's a, it's, a good, it's a good bell. I would like an enthusiastic volunteer to play a part in this. You need to be enthusiastic. Oh, come on. Now, you've already participated this morning, and you've already participated, Simon. 
Yes, come, come, come. Well, actually, you can just hang on to it there for now, but when we need it, you can ring it. Excellent. Because this morning is a call to prayer. We're going to pray together. Uh, Andy said we'd be thinking about what green shoots there are of new things that have happened as we've prayed. And there's a whole number of them that could be mentioned. Uh, back in September, right here, we prayed uh, for uh, our housing project, uh, Edge Housing. We prayed that there'd be more houses than we'd had two houses for five years which is very stable and good, we prayed here that there'd be an increase. And within a week, there was another house that had been suggested that could be part of that. And, and there's, there are other irons in the fire, but the first of those extra houses is being opened uh, formally by the high sheriff uh, on the 21st of January. Like, yes! God has answered our prayers. And uh, Rachel's here, and we sat down together with Andrew Clark and with Stuart Waddington, and talked about where the project's heading, and we're now finding it straightforward to think about adding three houses every year over the coming years, after two years of having, five years of having just two. We prayed, and God brings about growth. Uh, We prayed for what happens here in the King Centre, and we have had uh, family fun here, running a toddler group for years, and always struggled to see relationships building beyond largely the women that come with their children to the men. And I remember years ago, I used to run something here. Um, John Snelson used to be involved with me, running something called Saturdads. And we put up bouncy castles in the foyer, and we made bacon butters, and we bought papers, and no more than two people ever came. (laughs) Did it for ages. We prayed. And just in recent months now... Uh, every month, there's a Saturday brunch thing here with dozens of people that are coming and telling other people in the community. We're not having to tell other people in the community about it. They're telling other people because they're like, this is brilliant. And can we have it? That some people have said, can we have this every week, please? We prayed for increase and God answers. Uh, we ran a conference last year about gender and sexuality in October and had no idea how many people would come. I thought, Sometimes I thought well, there might, maybe 30 people would come. 150 people came. A number of you came to that day. And it wasn't just sort of anyone who was interested, but the room was full of people who had pastoral responsibilities in their churches. And we were able to sow seeds of how to better care for people, which will have a significant impact, not only in our church, but across the city and in a whole number of other towns and villages. Uh, We prayed for Tyndale, and a chaplaincy team has started. And not only that, they've had the wisdom to appoint Al as the lead chaplain. So that's a good thing. We prayed for students, and for the first time in a whole number of years, we had a student Bible school last term, because there were enough students who were willing to take a whole week of their lives to listen to people like me. Wow. I mean, that must be the Lord. We prayed for an increase in numbers, and... Uh, There were several Student Alpha courses that have taken place, just to pick one thing. Uh, One of those Student Alpha courses, there was a student born again on the first night. Uh, Just on Friday, I was was, was listening to a friend who leads a church in Chipping Norton. He's been praying the same kinds of prayers that we've been praying. And he reported that just in the new year, someone got in touch with him who (sighs) had been on and off in their interest in God over the years, but came to see him 
feeling really wound up and uh, unsure what he wanted, and some complexity in his relationship with his father. And this guy, Paul, Paul Metherell, said to him, so do you want God to be your father? He said, yes. So you want to become a Christian? Yes. Do you want to do that now? Yes. I do. And without any effort on Paul's part, sovereignly the work of God, there's someone who's come into his kingdom, whose eternity has changed. The reality is that as we pray, God answers. Remarkable things occur. So we're going to pray together this morning. I'd like to ask you to turn to Jeremiah 33 in your Bibles, please. Uh, Or you can follow what's on the screen. Uh, It starts by saying, while Jeremiah was still confined in the courtyard of the guard, the word of the Lord came to him. This is quite a context. Not only is Jeremiah under house arrest, but he's under house arrest in a city that is under siege and where food is scarce. And if you, little thing about the book of Jeremiah, it's not in chronological order. If you want to go read a commentary on Jeremiah, but the story that explains Jeremiah getting into this position in the courtyard is actually in Jeremiah 37. And it says that he's put into the courtyard and given bread to eat. That's what he's living on. In a courtyard, under house arrest, in a city under siege with a whopping great big imperial army expected to come in and kill and rape. That's his setting. While Jeremiah was still confined in the courtyard of the guard, the word of the Lord came to him came to him a second time. This is what the Lord says. He who made the earth, the Lord who formed it and established it, the Lord is his name, call to me. Call to me. Call to me. And I will answer you and show you great and fortified things that you do not know. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says about the houses in this city and the royal palaces of Judah that have been torn down to be used against the siege ramps and the sword in the fight with the Babylonians. They will be filled with the dead bodies of the people I will slay in my anger and wrath. I will hide my face from this city because of all its wickedness. Nevertheless, I will bring health and healing to it. I will heal my people And will let them enjoy abundant peace and security. I will bring Judah and Israel back from captivity and rebuild them as they were before. I will cleanse them from all the sin they have committed against me. And will forgive all their sins of rebellion against me. And then this city will be my renown, joy, praise and honor. So it will bring me renown, joy, praise and honor before all nations of the earth that hear of all the good things I do for it. And they will be in awe and will tremble at the abundant prosperity and peace I have for it. I'd like us to note several things from these verses. Uh, I want us to understand that this story comes in the midst of captivity and death 
and strife. Strife is seen in the prophet of the Lord being put under house arrest by the king. Relationships are not good in addition to everything else. So this promise, call to me and I will answer you, it's not a promise that it only works when you're feeling great. It's not a promise that only works when everything around you is at peace and all of your relationships are resolved and there's no antagonism. It's not a promise that works when there's no threat of death. In the midst of all of this, God doesn't only answer prayers when you've got your favorite worship music on. He answers prayers when there are cries of warfare coming over the city walls and all you've got to eat is bread. He answers prayer. You might have been a bit surprised by this word fortified because it's probably not in whatever translation you have in front of you. English translations take the Hebrew word here and they move it in one of two directions. They either describe it as mighty, I will show you great and mighty things, or they take it in a different direction and say great and hidden things. And the reason, and then you think, that's really different words. The answer is because the Hebrew word speaks of a fortification. That's why got this word here, great and fortified things. Because a fortification speaks both of strength and of something that you can't get into. There's strength in God's answers, and he has answers that we could never have worked out, we could never have thought of, things that we could never have accessed by our careful planning and hard work. Those are the kinds of answers that God has in store for us. And so I want, can you repeat this verse with me? I'm going to say it out together. I want to get this somehow into our hearts and into our spirits. Let's say it together. Call to me and I will answer you and show you great and fortified things you do not know. Let's say that again. Call to me and I will answer you and show you great and fortified things you do not know. There are limits to what we can imagine. Perhaps especially so when we're feeling constrained and weak, if we're ill or in difficulty, our imaginations shrink even further than where they stand when we're at our best health. God does far more, answers far more. And so the tone of our praying should be to pray audaciously, to pray for more than it seems reasonable to pray for, to ask for things that it would seem extraordinary for God to do, because he does such things. I want to note in passing before moving on from these verses and into prayer, um, Jeremiah is also pretty malnourished at this point. He's only, most of the city is as well. He's only eating bread. And it just is a reminder to me of the place of fasting in our praying. Uh, And I want to encourage you in this month of prayer to think not only about when you might pray, but also when you might fast. You may be well in the habit of fasting all the time and be like one of John Wesley's early leaders who fasted Wednesday and Friday every week. 
that they wouldn't be ordained as preachers in early Methodism unless they did so. Uh, you may have never skipped a meal in your life. I want to encourage you to explore fasting. Fasting is one of those things that is learnt by doing. It's a strange and mystical thing. And like, uh, it's like high explosives in the battle for God's purposes to be done. If you think that you couldn't possibly miss a meal or even fast for a day, let me disclose to you that God spoke to me about doing a longer fast. I haven't eaten for seven days, and I'm well alive and able to function. Don't believe the lie that you can't fast. It's a lie. Unless, you have some, unless you're pregnant, or there are, Yeah, Lizzie's <laughs> like, yes. And you may have a medical condition. There are some exceptions. But the great majority of Christians think it's too hard. And I just want to encourage you to go further. And in particular, I felt just as we were worshipping that there are some people who have um, long-standing, just rubbish things in their family relationships. And God wants to speak to you this morning and to encourage you to think about fighting for some breakthrough. Um, I didn't check this with Bev before, but I think this is all right. (laughs) The first time I ever fasted for more than a day, I resolved to fast for three days, was when we'd been married a few years. Some of you will know that the first few years of our married lives were a little bit turbulent. It's because we're both such strong personalities, and I'm always right, and Bev never sees it. (laughs) Actually, when we just got engaged... Um, we went to a house group meeting in Botley, and someone, I can't remember if it was Mike Bowman or, or Ed Edridge, but someone prophesied, when you get married, you are, you're going to be like an eagle with a wind blowing its feathers all the wrong way, and it's going to feel awful for ages. <laughs> hmm. But through that, strength will come. Through that, strength will come, because maturity arises from adversity. So, there was a moment at which I thought, well, stuff this. We need to see some change in our lives. And it was the first time that I fasted for three days. And things changed for us from there on in. And I want to encourage some of you to go for it in prayer and to expect God to do things. And if that requires fasting, don't hold back from it. God does amazing things. We've prayed this morning for the Hetlers to go to Rwanda, which is amazing. And at the same time, there's another thing related to our family of churches, which goes by the name of Salt and Light, connecting to Rwanda, which is that there's a denomination of Pentecostal churches in Rwanda that makes up about 20% of the population of the country that's asked to join Salt and Light. And those, those of our leaders in the UK that are involved with that really haven't got a clue what to do with it. I mean, what on earth does that mean? It means probably practically sitting with their senior leaders and saying, what on earth does this mean as a first step? And we have no idea how those things join up, but I want to say pray audacious prayers. God is working on a grander scale. So here we go. We're going to head into praying. We're going to ring the bell, and we're going to pray. Growing communities that bring heaven to earth. We have a vision for seeing this worked out through what we call missional communities, or sometimes simply communities. We're aiming for... Communities within the church that love God, that love each other, and love their neighbor. 
that meet as a community and do stuff together that has an impact on the city, on individuals beyond. We sometimes talk about there being an up, in, and out, about having passionate spirituality, radical community, and missionary zeal. And I want to tell you about, just relates to this picture, just one particular initiative that started last July, which illustrates what's possible. Uh, it's called ELZO. You may or may not have heard of it. It stands for English Language Social Oxford. ELZO. And, sorry? No, ZO. ZO. Did I say, forgive me, ELZO. And uh, using the internet to advertise social events that are open to all people, an opportunity to make friends, practice English, so it's open to people for whom English isn't their first language most especially, and to have fun. Well, that sounds pretty good to me, and it sounds pretty good to a lot of people, because quite quickly, Angus, who set this up, got as many as 230 people subscribing to want to know about things that are going on. And in the events that were run, which were things like meeting at the pub around the corner here, having a walk along the river uh, and, uh, to Binzi and back, uh, similarly, meeting at a pub in Ifley, um, going for a, uh, a drink, a chat where there's live music, meeting for a walk. This is, I think, the University Parks. Maybe, and it's, mm, maybe not. And it's one of these things. But in the University Parks as well, meeting for a walk and catching up for a coffee. And finding, who, know, who knew, people come. And there's a new way of getting to know people. Angus and I were talking about this in the late autumn. And... Uh, he disclosed to me that he had, he's had more of a social life with people outside the church since last summer than for years, which is no comment on Angus, other than he's discovered a wonderful, wonderful new thing to do. Uh, what it needs in order to work is just a few people from the church, could be more, to sign up for each event, and then, you know how it is with events organized on social media, if there's only one person going... Not many people want to join in, but just a few people from the church joining in, and then it all takes off. People come along, and there's lots of opportunity to talk in really, really wonderful ways. The last of these activities took place uh, in November, so about um, eight weeks ago, and there's an appetite to relaunch it this month. And uh, I want to say, this is, I think this is a brilliant thing, another one of these green shoots that God is... Now, it says in 2 Samuel that God devises ways that those who are estranged from him would come back into relationship. I feel like this is a, a devising of God, something that he has done in order to show a new way that people can get to know his people and through that get to know him. At this point in time, there is a need for more people to join in from the church in order for it to really thrive. In fact, for it to relaunch well this January, there's a need for a few more people to get involved. So Angus and Dave, you're sat next to each other. Could you both stand up, please? <laughs> Wonderful people. Dave's also involved. You can sit down again. But if, as I've said this, you've thought, you know what? That would be a great part of my life, just something that I've thought. Um, why not talk to them, find out what's going on, join in, and make a difference? My hope and prayer, and I know it's a shared one, is that in this month, what we'll actually see is the formation of a, a new hub of community, not just the joining in with some events, but a new uh, sense of community forming uh, around that wonderful thing that God has devised. So, we're now going to pray. And 
what we're gonna, I'm going to ask you to do is to pray for... Um, let's think about this. Can I ask, if pe- this is going to take a minute or two, if you are in one of the communities that, make, that are part of Oxfordshire Community, um, Oxford Community Church, could you stand up? Great. Now, can you find other people that are in your community? Students included, come on. Find other people that are in your community. Okay, and what I'd like to say is, those of you that are sat down still, uh, you're going to be super helpful now, because you get the opportunity to be a blessing to others, uh, should you be you know, up for doing that. I'd like to ask you, please, um, to go and find one of these groups, join in with them, uh, say hi, and then uh, together, as groups, pray for fresh growth in that particular community in the months to come. Is that clear enough? Yeah, go. Oh, hang on, hang on. There's a bell. Okay, let's pray. Great. Can I encourage you, if you are feeling stirred about connecting with Elso, uh, don't leave it a few weeks before saying anything, because there are decisions to be made in the next couple of weeks about what a relaunch might look like. It, It... you may well miss the window of being able to join in in a significant way if you leave it two or three weeks. Think about talking to Angus and Dave this morning. That would be really helpful. Okay, the next thing. Uh, Here's something else to pray for. Wouldn't it be wonderful to be a church like the city, by which I don't mean full of bell towers, though I have got a thing for bells this morning, Uh, nor do I mean in all of its iniquity, clearly, but to be a church that had the same kind of ethnic mix that the city has uh, would be wonderful as a demonstration of God's intention to save people from every tribe and language and nation and people, and that in him, the barriers between us that our cultures so easily foster are broken down because we're brothers and sisters in Christ and found a new identity that's transforming for us. So we have a vision to be a church like the city. Now, if we're going to become a church more like the city, it does mean meeting people who are not like us. That follows, doesn't it? If we only were to grow as a church by more people that are just like us, there would not be an increased diversity, a very delightful increase in numbers, but not an increase in diversity. So meeting people not like us, usually involves some awkwardness and often some cold contact. Put your hand up if you like cold contact with people. There's all three of you, four, five. So we need to pray because there's a vision which we know is in the heart of God and then there's something in us that goes, I really hope someone else does that. I think that might reflect a bit some of the thoughts we've had about the turning, which we did together as a church last May, and has then continued each month. Great idea. I hope someone else does that. What's happened most months is about 12 people, up to 12 people, have gone out each month, sharing the gospel with people in a very simple way, praying with people. 
Uh, In December, just five people went out, but through their hour on the streets, six people prayed a prayer of uh, commitment to Christ with them, of whom, and this is quite important, three of them gave their contact details and are now being followed up. That's a good thing, isn't it? That's a good use of an hour. And not all of those people are like us. I think um, Al currently is following up someone who is from quite another culture, from one, anyone that's represented here in the church at the moment. Ha! Isn't God clever? Yeah. Um, we want to pray that the turning would thrive, that there would be... Uh, God would do something in the hearts of more of us to be willing to participate in cold contact stuff, which... Well, the little hand-waving survey there showed us something. Uh, But also that whilst there's been lots of sowing going on, that we'd see more reaping. If we're honest, the follow-up and seeing people coming along to church and becoming disciples has been disappointing. It's proven to be more sowing than reaping, when we'd hoped it would be primarily reaping. Um, But clearly God's in it. And the right answer to disappointment is not giving up. The right answer to disappointment is prayer. God says, pray audaciously, I have great and fortified things that you don't know. Great and fortified things you don't know. Call to me. I will answer you. So in a moment, we're going to pray for the turning, which, by the way, provides wonderfully with another opportunity to gather for worship and prayer on Friday evening, because It's very clever. In this week of prayer, it starts and ends with an opportunity to gather. So tomorrow night, there's a prayer meeting here, and we shall be praying. I don't know whether we'll use the bell or not. I wouldn't mind that bit. There we go. (laughs) I was reminded preparing for this morning that there are some Korean churches that ring a bell to start everybody praying. and They all pray out together at once, and they ring a bell to stop everybody as well. Oh, please, God. So what happens is we start praying, and it's a matter of time before it peters out. Oh, to have to ring a bell to shut prayer up. Oh, good, truly, God make us a praying people. Someone has to shut up our prayers. Right, anyway. Um, I'm going to pray for the turning. So, and then on Friday evening this week, there's an encounter evening, which everyone's welcome to. No one is press-ganged from the Friday evening to go out on the Saturday morning. But come, encounter God, and make it a week of prayer um, with every opportunity that you can. And then on Saturday morning, there will be people going out on the streets. And we want to pray into that with our time this morning. also want to pray in this thing about being a church, like I said, just praying for the different ethnic minorities of the city, and especially those that are unreached by the gospel. Prime amongst those is the Pakistani population of the city. Uh, When Pakistani people first came to the UK a generation ago, they were roundly rejected and abused and have little time for imbibing aspects of Western culture, which includes, in their eyes, Christianity. We need to pray. God, would you do something? Some great fortified thing that we don't know. God, would you do it? You may well have a different ethnic group in your heart, but let's pray for those too. Um, and I think, oh, and let's make, I've on here, I've added in our Sunday welcome, because just sometimes people wander through the door here, 
when we're gathered, and we want to make sure that there's nothing in what we do that is offensive to people from different cultures. So there's three different things to pray about, and I'd like to suggest that just where we are, groups of two, three, and four, we take a few minutes to pray about those. Let's ring the bell. And let's pray. Here we go. Oh, there we go. About 10 years ago, nearly 10 years ago now, when we were hosting a national conference for students here with the um, Fusion, National Student Movement, one of the speakers that they had prophesied very powerfully to us as a church. This was in November 2008. And one of the things that he said is that as a church, we are called to be a rudder for the city. That through what we do, a change of direction would occur that is far beyond us. Uh, Since that time, we started a school. Some of you work in it. And that school, Tyndale Community School in Cowley, is having an influence beyond its walls. It's making a difference beyond its walls. It is noticed. It has transformed some people's understanding of what evangelical Christians are. Most obviously illustrated by the fact that when we started the process of bidding for the school, there was a concern that we would stoke social division, because that's what fundamentalist-type Christians do, isn't it? One of the city councillors fed into the consultation, we must not have this school because it will bring the religious violence of Northern Ireland to the streets of Cowley. And then, when the King of Spain and the King and Queen of Spain visited Oxford earlier in the year, um, because we have a school that has a good reputation, it was not hard for the phone to be picked up to the school to say, what about Tyndale kids coming and representing the children of the city to come and welcome the King and Queen of Spain? It's a transformation, isn't it? It's not only good for the kids, it's a transformation in how the Church of Christ in the city is perceived. It's amazing. And through that, we get to be a rudder for the city. That's a corporate thing that we do. I've already mentioned edge housing as a corporate thing. Talked about a growth in the number of houses. But it's also true that people listen to Rachel and others because of the service that's being given to people in need. And the housing conferences that have happened here, there's been three now. The last one was last June. Gather people, including people from the city council, who want to come together and meet with... As is so often the case, and we're not the only church involved in supporting those who are homeless or vulnerably housed. Churches are well stuck into that, and the city council sees that and wants to work with us, and it creates a space for talking about Christ to have city council workers coming to a conference where there's prayer and worship because of what is being done to serve people in need is all part of being a rudder for the city. We're changing the atmosphere in ways that affect all of us and everyone in the city. In about six weeks' time, uh, on the 24th of February, a bit more than six weeks, there's going to be another, there's going to be a day conference here for Christians working in health and social care. If you are a Christian working in health and social care, or maybe a medical student, or just interested in all of that, and you've not yet heard about this, I do apologize. 
but you can go to the church Facebook page, find a link there, and you can book in for the day. We've got the head of one of Oxford's colleges, a guy called Sir Andrew Dilnot, coming to speak, who um, chaired the last government commission on how social care should be funded. We've got someone who chairs a clinical commissioning group in South London coming. That means he's in charge of a group that directs large swathes of funding for the NHS in South London. Um, they've got a nursing lecturer who happens to be Malcolm Duncan's wife, for those of you who know who Malcolm Duncan is, and other great things too. And the twin goals for the day are that Christians who come would be encouraged, living often or working often in an atmosphere of despair, that that cloak of despair would be thrown off. Yeah. And with a message of hope, people could go in and change the atmosphere even more than they yet have been. Because God does something, speaks a word that brings about change. But also, it's not just something we're doing as a church, but the group of churches that gets together as Love Oxford is behind it. So just this week, uh, on Wednesday evening, we had a steering group meeting for the conference, which had people there from, let me think, from Hillsong and St. Ebbs and... Christian Life Centre and St. Old Eights, and I can't remember all the rest of it, but there's about 12 churches across the city that are all behind this. A message just went out this week to the Christian Medical Fellowship about it, and it's taking off. And we're able to catalyze something that will draw together people who don't normally meet up. And I believe, this is, I thought God spoke to me about doing this back sort of last May, June time, and it's now happening that through those connections, new thing, the new kingdom seeds will come into existence. That seeds will be created that will be, well, I don't know, whether we have new GP surgeries in the city or just some, some, some new practices that show how the gospel of Christ makes a difference, the best practice in our workplaces. I don't know. There's an appetite amongst those in the steering group to explore how prayer for healing works in the NHS. There's an appetite for those working in social care to work through how can the Christian community make more difference to people who are isolated. And God, so there's stuff to, I'm quite excited about all of that. Um, and I've just named a few corporate things as God spoke to us as a church about being a rudder for the city. And yet it remains the case, whatever of those sort of corporate things go on, the greatest way in which we are a rudder for the city is through people at work. For those of you who are going into workplaces and there, through your work, making change to things. I mean, work is largely about changing things. If it's filling in a form from blank to full, it's change. It's always everything about work is about changing something. And there's a call on us as a church that all of us would be uh, not thermometers in our workplace that can tell it's rubbish, judging the temperature, but more like thermostats that can see what's what, but then bring about change to make things as they should be. And uh, some of you have really tough workplaces. Uh, but there's a grace from God. He's spoken to us as a church about being a rudder for the city. And events that gather people are great. If you work in health and social care, you really need to come to that day because it's going to be significant for the life of the city. But it's for all of us in our everyday. So our last point of prayer, I'll pray for all those things we're involved with corporately. 
and but pray for all of us. But especially if you get in, we're going to say once again, get into groups of three, four, and uh, pray for people's workplaces and for and that this year in 2018 would be a time when impact in work would just go to a whole new level. It would be upgraded. Let's ring the bell. And let's pray.